Robertson. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. The day is finally here. We've only gone and done it. Your Houston Texans are 8-4. Dominating the New England Patriots on Sunday night football. Yes, you heard me. The Deshaun Watson era is alive and well. This is slime season. This is our time. Let's get it. Welcome into another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. We are joined by Cody Stutes from Sportsmap and SB Nation. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic, man. Happy to talk with you after a Texans win. I know. All right. I can't believe uh, we're saying this. Uh, Bill O'Brien's finally uh, got uh, got one over the old the old uh, the old defensive master or not so defensive master last night. Um, what did you make of it? It's just, I mean, this is just a landmark win for Bill O'Brien for the Houston Texans, and it's a game where a lot of people weren't giving him a chance, and there's a big opportunity there for people to have fun at the expense of the Houston Texans, and, you know, same old Texans, and all, all, all those things were certainly present ahead of the game, and it felt very early on like that was going to be a different football game. Uh, a lot closer to some of those close games against good teams and a lot further away from uh, Baltimore, which I think was still present in people's minds because I'm not sure how good people think the Colts really are, but the Texans did not play Baltimore very well at all. And the thought process was, well, New England's a, a better defense, even though they're not as good of an offense. So there was a lot of people, uh, and I have to imagine even Texans fans that thought this one could get out of hand in the wrong way and very early on, it was clear that that was not going to be the case. Yeah, I mean, it was the first drive kind of stalls out. You think, here we go again. And then, really, I think that's potentially, despite only you know being for 224 yards, probably Deshaun's best performance if you think New England had only you know given up four touchdowns all year. Uh, and then, you know, Watson knocks four, up, four on them last night. I think it was probably his one of his most maturest wins to date considering that team had the league leading you know 20 interceptions didn't turn the ball over played clean football took our chances when when they uh when they came and and uh you know to, to be up 28 to 3 uh, it was you know against the patriots was it, it seemed i couldn't believe really what I was watching well for watson and his performance i think the impressive part is i don't know that it was the most efficient performance that someone's had against the patriots past defense this year but he was fearless in, in, in the way he approached it. It was going to be, you, you had to take some shots. You had to get the ball deep. You had to find Kenny stills and you had to try to get the ball to Will Fuller and you had to try to complete stuff over the middle. And the Texans were not afraid to make some of those throws. And I thought they juxtaposed that and played off well with, it was very clear that the charge to Deshaun Watson was if you see someone open Throw them the football. It doesn't matter where they are on the field. Throw them the football. If it's a check down, if it's something over the middle, if it's outside, you know, to one of the tight ends who are leaking out, if someone is open, throw them the football. Don't try to stand back in the pocket and try to make a big play happen every time. Just keep moving the ball forward. Keep taking positive yardage and success will follow. And and that's what happened for, for the passing attack. 
I think Hopkins potentially had the most sort of silently uh, or not so silently good game with only five catches, but you know there was so much talk going into them of how what a great sort of you know defensive MVP almost caliber perf- you know season that Stephon Gilmore was having. Um, you know, but those five catches, like many of Hopkins' catches, they should have been big for first downs. You know, when when the team needed the most, particularly a lot across the middle, and you know the, the Patriots typically. You know what they do and what they have done, and they did again last night. Was was double was double Hopkins and the Texans. I thought just in the game plan and O'Brien deserves a lot of credit. Just used him as a decoy and it opened up so much, just like you said. And what Watson just found the found, found the open targets. Um, I think what really kind of summed up the game, and then when I, at that point you knew it was it was ours, despite kind of a late a late kind of falter, which we'll come on to, was Fuller drops a catch which he's probably got no excuse to do and again that's a, a worrying a worrying trend but to go right back on the next play and find stills in the end zone you know to extend the lead I thought that just summed up the Texans performance offensively so so first on Hopkins I, I think you you pointed this performance and it's similar to so many performances that DeAndre's had this season the glory the touchdowns the big plays you know those come you know, or, 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 you know, the scoring plays, those come with other guys. And with Hopkins, you know, the gritty yards, the tough yards, the necessary yards, those all show up um, in, in big moments. So I think that is, is, is definitely a, a huge element of Hopkins this season. And I'm not sure there are many star receivers. And the star receiver over the past couple of years has certainly changed. And it's not as, as diva heavy as it was a few years ago, but there's not a lot of star receivers that would let the, you know, sort of, I guess, share the spotlight the way Hopkins has at different games uh, throughout this season. And then the the Fuller and Stills back-to-back, I thought that was indicative of Bill O'Brien is not going to let one small negative overweigh the opportunity for them to go do, you know, something incredible and something special because, you know, Kind of a tough play for Fuller. I, I you know, got to keep it through the ground. You know, that's part of the rule. I, I think he makes that play probably more often than not. But for for Watson to see Stills and the way O'Brien described it yesterday after the game was because I, I I asked him, you know, is that something that's in the play where Stills is going to go, you know, deep on that play, or you know, if you watch the play back, Watson sort of directs Stills. And O'Brien explained that after that play with Fuller, you got to give Deshaun an opportunity at a bunch of different levels with the football. And I thought that's an interesting play call because a lot of coaches against the Patriots sort of go into their shell. They turtle into themselves. They don't try to take that big opportunity. O'Brien's done it himself in previous years. But to give that opportunity, they're like, okay, if it's there, Deshaun can make a play, and it was, and, and and Stills made a great play and great catch, and that was really the oh wow, there this is this is definitely a different situation. That was the real moment where you're like, okay, something is definitely different about tonight. Yeah, I think O'Brien's changed his philosophy, and I don't know if it's down to analytics or what it is, but um, you know he's been far more aggressive on fourth downs. He's 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 really kind of I don't know if he's just you know, with the pressure on him or potentially less pressure on him if he's if he's making roster moves and, you know, Kenny Stills was one that came up, you know, from that trade which was criticized. But I think I think most most Texans fans would take that nine times out of ten now, um, based on the play that Tunsil's given the line and Stills has just been a great tertiary option. Um and the wide receiver. Obviously Kiki on the bench again, uh inactive. 
bit of a worry um, if he's ever going to make it back out of the doghouse. But O'Brien is, is you know, t- t- deserves a lot of credit. Uh, that uh, the, the the sort of T formation in the backfield with the two tight ends and and the running back to to uh, get Darren Fells for that touchdown uh, was excellent. And then Duke Johnson as well just shows how much he's changed this offense. Another O'Brien move. Okay, maybe overpaid slightly, but Duke Johnson's been, you know, he, he has to be accounted on every on every play by the defense, and you know, even what was meant to be last night the league's best defense, he found himself free and ran in untouched in the end zone. This felt like the first game to me where Duke Johnson was used absolutely perfect. Uh, you know, pop him a couple of times in the run, get him the ball a few times while he's running the football, and then you know, throw him the football because that's where he is one of the more dangerous players um, on this Texans roster for sure is out in space making guys miss and, and, and being a tough cover out of the backfield. You talk about O'Brien and what he's brought to the table. I think this is an, an example of he's finally got all the tools, he's finally got all the weapons where he can just get deep, 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 deep into the into the playbook and he trusts all those guys. If Fells is a veteran, Akins is in his second year, you know, Jordan Thomas is now in his second year. They were able to run some of that three tight end stuff. Um, you know, Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde are new, but they're veteran players. You know, this is Deshaun Watson's third year. He's been with all these wide receivers. I know Stills is new, but Fuller's been here a few years now. And obviously DeAndre. So like, I feel like he's got a level of trust with this offense. And oh, by the way, the offensive line is better than it has been in his tenure. And so the level of trust where he can get deep into his playbook, he can get creative, he can get Duke Johnson the ball a couple of different ways, he can run those that 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 fun Watson Hopkins, uh, you know, Hopkins to Watson pass play like that's I think that's really an example of O'Brien now has not only the talent but the trust in his offense. Yeah, and I thought what summed up the night perfectly was that a team that we've played and and notoriously run trick plays to kind of seal games to do that and then see effectively seal the game for ourselves was was fantastic to, to see that you know that was obviously you know it's come out since subsequently that the players said they went to went o'brien i think it was uh, ag mccarran actually was idea took it to o'brien they ran it it wasn't quite i don't think it was quite as smooth as, as they as they drew up both both hopkins and and uh watson were, were hit on the way into the end zone but i mean it was it was uh it was a, a great to see that, that I think that was a sign of the maturity of this offense and the kind of performances, you know, then we've kind of doubted them in some ways. You know, when we beat the Chargers, it was doubted because they didn't subsequently play well. We beat Kansas City, they've subsequently lost games and, and uh, you know, it was the shine was potentially taken off the off the win after that. But last night, I just don't think there's any, anything you can take away from that performance. Is not only is it a signature win for O'Brien, and that was his biggest criticism, he's done that now, but not only to do that, but to do that against a defence that was, you know, riding high and special teams to play a clean game like that and coach and, and implement a game plan like that I think is you know it, it puts a whole new complexion on the season I think and I think the way you do it last night don't let the final score fool anybody the Houston Texans beat up on the New England Patriots you know they that on Sunday Night Football they beat them up I understand the Patriots scored 13 points there in the fourth quarter and it got a little close, and people got a little nervous and things like that. But make no mistake, they beat up on the Patriots, and there was a, a huge element of prevent defense to a lot of those yards the Patriots got on those final two drives. And, and even um, you know 
one of those scores, certainly the second score you're not in love with allowing, but you know, it, 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 it happens sometimes, but they beat up on the Patriots and, and, and even teams that come close to beating the Patriots and come up short, don't beat up the Patriots. It's rare to see them get beat up and the Texans beat them up last night. And they did so with a defense that is, you know, it, it does not have J.J. Watt. It no longer has Jadavian Clowney. It's got a bunch of uh, role players playing really good football, and it's got a ton of cornerbacks that they trust now who are just very athletic and, and, and pretty talented and played a really good scheme last night. And, you know, Huge credit to Romeo Cornell because that's a – Romeo Cornell's been on the wrong end of a Bill Belichick uh, whooping. Uh, more than a few times, and you know Belichick was on the wrong end of, of a Romeo Cornell whooping yesterday. Yeah, I can't I, again, and it just shows you how much that you know this league changes year to year. Um, but I can't believe you know we're sitting talking about a secondary that looks competent because at the start of the season it certainly didn't. Uh, it's been our biggest weakness. It wasn't addressed. Obviously, we had AJ Boy leaving, Kevin Johnson didn't quite work out as a first round pick so we've been short at corner you know we picked up Lonnie but he's still he's, he's been in and out of the team picked up a couple of injuries looked looked good in, in space and you know in, uh, in in certain parts of his game certain parts of the game he looks like a rookie but I think Vernon Hargreaves coming in uh, is, is is looked like kind of like a player that should be drafted in the first round in his first two games considering he's hardly you know had much time to acclimatise to the to the scheme Uh you know, Garen Connolly was out. Hopefully, that's not you know a particularly bad hip injury he's got. But certainly, you know, the secretary looks pretty good. The thing with Vernon Hargraves last night is, it was apparent early on Vernon Hargraves cannot defend Julian Edelman, and I feel like sometimes in the past the Texans would have kept running that out there because that's what they practiced. That was the idea that week. They did not do that. Vernon Hargraves was off of Julian Edelman, and you had various other guys filling in on Edelman from a defensive standpoint. Bradley Roby was on him. I think Jonathan Joseph defended Edelman a, a handful of times. And I think it's really important that the adjustments on defense happen during the game, and you saw stuff that wasn't working on those first couple of drives that they decided to adjust and and, and change. And you look at what they have from a secondary standpoint – and Jonathan Joseph's a veteran, but has been around long enough that his his knowledge overcomes his physical limitations. Bradley Roby's an athletic freak and just has a lot of instinct. He talked yesterday after the game about how his interception, they saw it on film. They knew that play was coming. And then Nikhil Harry, coming out of Arizona State, had had some issues with finishing his route, running it hard. And he didn't finish his route, didn't run it hard, and Bradley Roby uh, almost had a pick six off of Tom Brady. And then Tayshawn Gibson played a nice game at safety. Justin Reed played a nice game at safety as well. Lonnie Johnson gets in there and plays really well. And like It's a secondary that they, they trusted with the game plan, and they knew that if they executed well – you always hear about execution and, oh, we didn't execute well – well, you don't often hear about, hey, they executed well, and that's what the Texans did on defense yesterday. They had a game plan that they knew was going to work if they executed it right, and they executed it right, and they had to tweak it early on to make sure it was working right, and that's a big credit because that's not always something that they do in the middle of a game. Yeah, and I mean, Bradley Roby, I think, you know, when he did sign, you know, I know he, he said he took less money to sign here, um, 
and he wanted to hit free agency again. But I think the Texans, based on how he's come back so quickly after being out since the Kansas City game with a hamstring injury, to come back in and play like that, uh, I just don't think there's any way we can let him walk out the building without a con- with, you know, with a good contract offer that, that stops him hitting free agency because he's been a great addition. I did sort of take... Um, Take a, a view of disagreement certainly with the uh, with with the refs call on his second interception. I thought that was a pretty soft pi, and in the one that he did, the first one that did count, he actually let Brady uh, tackle him. So I hope I hope uh, his teammates are in his ear this week in the building after uh, letting Brady uh, take away a pick six from him. No, I, definitely the teammates will be on him. And hey, if you don't think Bill O'Brien had a nice conversation about the uh, the uh, the personal foul penalty after. The interception, you're crazy because that that to me was maybe one of the big moments. And O'Brien talked about it after the game was they not only converted the interception to points, they converted the interception to a touchdown, which is not something that they always do when they get those opportunities. And even overcoming the extra 15 yards that they had to overcome after Roby got the penalty, I think that was really important. As far as Roby's status on this team, look, you got some really important games coming up. Um, he should have, He's going to have some really tough covers coming up from a cornerback uh, standpoint because Denver's got a couple of young, talented wide receivers. Obviously, Tampa is still on this schedule, and then should they make the playoffs, whoever they play in the playoffs, if it's Buffalo, he could have a tough cover on John Brown. If it's, you know, Tennessee again, it, it would be maybe the third time in four weeks you'd be playing Tennessee in the playoffs. And then if you go deeper, again, more tough covers. Bradley Roby's got plenty of opportunities to do what he wanted to do, which is come in, play really well on a one-year deal, prove to the entire NFL that he is a big-time corner, and, and, and even to the Texans. He's got plenty of opportunities to prove – over these last few regular season games and, and whatever playoffs, if they do take care of the playoff hunt, um, he's got plenty of opportunities to start do exactly what he wanted to do, which is prove to the NFL he's really good. Yeah, I think he's done that. And I think if John, John Elway is not exactly a, a decorated uh, talent uh, or a... Or a, or a uh, I don't think Elway's done a great job in, in uh, procuring and, and maintaining talent in that building in, in Denver. So, you know, I think he was a good pickup. It was underrated, and he's certainly, you know, a huge piece to this defense. Another another probably surprise in getting a sack and a half on last night was, you know, Jacob Martin. You know, I think the, the Clowney trade's been taught to death, and, you know, I think we're starting to see some of the, uh, starting to see a, a small benefit at least. I think he reminds me a bit of sort of D Ford a bit when he first came in the league, a bit of a lighter version, just a pure speed rusher. Um, a bit like, a bit of lighter frame, but certainly he uh, he was he was he was a bad matchup for Marcus Cannon last night. Jacob Martin has been pretty close the past couple of weeks to getting something going, to having an impressive game, and to see him do that against the Patriots, and to get after Tom Brady, and to get close to Brady on a couple times and force some of those decisions earlier than Brady wanted. I mean, how many times did Brady throw the ball in it? You know, was skipping two, three yards in front of a wide receiver last night. A lot of that's Jacob Martin. And in a situation where there's not a lot of pass rush on this team right now, Martin needed to step up, and he did exactly that. And, look, he's not Jadavian Clowney. He's never going to be Jadavian Clowney. And Clowney's had, uh, you know, a pretty nice season from a uh, tackle for a loss standpoint. But, 
if we're going to go on sack numbers, I mean, Jadavion Clowney's got three sacks this season. Jacob Martin's got two and a half, you know, and Jacob Martin doesn't cost anywhere near what Jadavion Clowney is going to cost going forward. I'm not saying that they handled the trade the right way. I'm not saying that they even maximized value. And, and I'm certainly not saying that they quote unquote won the trade. That's not what I'm saying. But to go the direction they did to see things pay off in a moment like it paid off for them, I think is really important from an evaluation standpoint of the people in the decision-making room where they look around and they say, it paid off for us. Our thought process was right on one element of it. Would I have liked the Texans to get more for Jadavian Clowney than what they got? Sure. But for stuff to pay off that they did get for Jadavian Clowney, I think is really important for them to feel like their thought process and feel like all of us, you know, from the outside looking in, th- to see that their thought process is working. And, you know, Martin's come on the past couple weeks, so I, I think big credit to, you know, I'm sure uh, Pagano on the defensive staff, uh, John Pagano, uh, um, and then I think Anthony Weaver as well has always helped out those sort of edge rush outside linebacker guys. So defensive line coach uh, Anthony Weaver and, and, and assistant defensive he's got like a different title but Pagano uh John Pagano big credit to those guys for getting Jacob Martin going because it's been close for a couple weeks but to have it pay off on the box score and with your eyes you know I think that's a big that's a big big win for the Texans in the short term and and potentially a big win down the stretch here I mean what if he keeps it going that's a nice weapon to, to have on defense yeah, and I thought <clears throat> I thought the rest of the guys in the trenches did a really good job. I think when we when you saw Scarlett, Blackston, Watkins all inactive was a bit of a concern. Did give up another big game uh, to James White, but that was predominantly when the team kind of faded a bit towards the end, and that was a concern I think um, of the game. But um, you know the defensive unit was good. The most improved player on this team had another fantastic game last night. DJ Reader's just being. You know he's had a, he's he, he's played like he's had a point to prove after they didn't come they didn't quite get the uh, contract extension done in the off season which I think the Texans will regret now because he's going to be a, a more expensive uh, he's going to be more expensive to to retain uh, than than he was before the start of this season for sure. Yeah, they, they put together a you know they call it the lunch pail crew. That's um, it. <laughs> they, they they've put together a good group on that defensive line, and it is. It is fun to watch them work because, you know, Bill O'Brien shouted out Brandon Dunn last night as a player that doesn't get enough credit. Um, you, you mentioned Reader. Reader has been fantastic. When you think about the advantages that DJ Reader played with the past couple of years from having J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney and Whitney Merciless playing at a very high level the past few years, the advantages of having that around you and playing the way he did you know, you would probably say quite a few guys could have that. This year to have the disadvantage, no J.J. Watt, no Jadavian Clowney, Whitney Merciless um, has been, you know, schemed out of, de- you know, uh, the defense a couple of times by opposing offenses and to have Reader pay off the way he has, uh, you know, that's a that's a really nice performance by him. He certainly made himself uh, a little bit of money this season and, and look – with Derrick Henry left on the schedule twice this season, with um, you know Philip Lindsay, with the way the playoffs are played, should you make it there and, and make a run, you got to have Reader play really well down the stretch, and he's earned a few bucks. He can earn a he can earn a few more here down the stretch with the Texans too. 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, after that win, I think it's, it sets us up for, you know, it's going to be a tough stretch, I think, against, obviously, we've got Denver this weekend, which I think we can't we can't look past because, you know, they certainly looked improved with, with Drew Locke making his first start and, uh, and you know, and they, they, they put a good performance um, out there for, for their fans. And um, I think that's going to be a tough game. It's no gimme. And then, obviously, we've got the Titans twice and... In four weeks with, uh, with with Tampa on the road in between, so it's going to be a tough a, a tough outing for um, the Texans to keep going. But I think last night just gives us gives us a chance certainly against those teams. But we had a chance anyway. I think just it's a it's a it's a case of can can we stay consistent down the stretch and hopefully either Baltimore or New England can fall. I don't think Baltimore will, but potentially maybe New England after last night can falter a bit. And uh, and we can maybe sneak a sneak a seed that we should have had last year if we had had won that game in Philadelphia. The, the, so there's a couple things there. The important thing to remember about Denver is this is a team that's going to come to town, and they're bringing back their quarterback, both their wide receivers, their young tight end, the most of their running back room, a lot of that offensive line. There's a lot of pieces on Denver's offense that are going to be on the Denver Broncos next year. So a team that if they were still playing Joe Flacco, a team that if they were still playing you know Brandon Allen or something like that, that wouldn't have been as challenging is a little bit more challenging because there's a build to next year, get some momentum going element to having Drew Locke play. And so the Broncos become a slightly more dangerous team than you would think. The Titans, two times in three weeks, is is not fun, especially when it starts at Tennessee. And then you got to go on the road again to the Buccaneers, which you know on any given week put up, one of the, some of the best passing numbers in football. I think the big key is if this does get tight in the AFC South over the next three games, the fourth game you have left is at home. Um, you know, you're potentially talking about a Sunday night football game if the winner of that game decides who wins the AFC South and who's maybe the sixth seed in the playoffs or who wins the AFC South and who's maybe out of the playoffs. So you're potentially talking about what's going to be a noon game right now being a Sunday night football game you know, d- down the road uh, you know, when you finish up the season with the Titans. But if you take care of your business against the Broncos, against the Titans, against the Buccaneers, then that becomes a pseudo-bye week for you heading into the playoffs. But you know, it's, it's, it's early in December, so I don't want to look too far too deep into December so um, it, it becomes a very interesting um, moment and a very interesting situation for the Texans. But Denver could make it far more interesting. And as far as the seeding, you're not catching Baltimore. You know, they've got a, they got a couple of game lead on you. Um, and they've got the tiebreaker. So they've essentially got uh, a three-game lead on you. For New England, you definitely need some help. It's not coming from two of the games they play. they got the Bengals and the Dolphins in two of their final four. Um, but with Kansas City at home, with Buffalo at home, if, if both of those teams help you out a ton, um, then certainly you're right there, but you got to take care of your business. And it, it seems unlikely that a one or two seed's popping up. Just too many things have gone wrong earlier in the season for that to happen. But it'd be really nice to have that three seed and then make Kansas City be the four seed because if Kansas City could go on the road and – upset whoever gets the one seed and you could take care of your business in your first two playoff games then all of a sudden you're looking at a a home game for the AFC championship now I'm way far ahead I just talked about how I don't want to get too far ahead in December and I'm talking about AFC championship game 
in Houston. But um, D- Denver's really important, and, and you beat the New England Patriots. Don't let the fact that you beat the New England Patriots beat you when you take on the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's right. I think results last night are great in so many ways, but it gives you a chance to to you know to dream a bit as a fan and uh, you know as or as somebody that's got a vested interest in the team. So I think that's 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 really uh, what it's all about. And uh, yeah, I think the, the, I think if, if New England were to slip up, I think Buffalo potentially have a better record than us. I don't know if we're we're in with a shout of 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 this of the seconds uh, seconds here uh, in the playoffs but um, a couple of bits of just before we finish up Corey just a couple of bits of new, uh, news uh, just with the, uh, coming through the national media it always does when you're on Sunday night football what returning potentially for the playoffs and the Texas to continue without a GM also um, so with what look I don't I, I'm I'm estimating and guessing a lot but based on JJ Watt's social media presence and he's done a really good job in the past couple of years of keeping the fans engaged, less workout, more what, you know, l- l- less grind and hard work, more life. Just, just the way he's operating on social media, it doesn't feel like a guy that has the possibility of coming back this season, just from a time of day that he's doing things, you know, and and maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it looked like he had a really big Thanksgiving, and a lot of these guys don't have big Thanksgivings. You know, they may have a little turkey and a little uh, dressing here or there, but it, it looked like you know Watt poured it on a little bit. And look, maybe I'm reading something into nothing. I find it really hard to to see him coming back, and I think back to Whitney Merciless having that same injury, and and the things that were around the team was. It, if they had been in the hunt in 2017 in late December, Whitney Merciless could have come back and, and played in late, late December and in the playoffs, if they had been in the hunt in 2017, well, they weren't. So Merciless didn't have to worry about something like that. There's going to be in the hunt here in late December and hopefully in the playoffs, but J.J. Watt's injury happened about three and a half weeks, about a month later than Whitney Merciless's injury did. It just seems unlikely from a timing standpoint of when he would be healthy, what you could get out of him. Um, and, and I just can't imagine that when they started the, the rehabilitation process that the thought was that they could get him back this season. I don't know if they'd ramped that. They began the rehab process that way. I hope I'm wrong because if you could add JJ Watt back to this team, say week 17, he plays a little bit and then he plays maybe a little bit in the first playoff game. You get a victory there and then he can play a lot more in whatever playoff you have left. Like sign me up for that. Like I, I, I'm all in on that scenario. I just can't see it happening. Um, and, and we're asking a lot and I know he's been Superman at times, but we're asking a lot even from Superman in that one. And then operating without a general manager, you know, I don't think they've done a bad job. Uh, the, the way they, they go about things now with Bill O'Brien and Chris Olson, the, the cap manager and Matt Baskersian, who helps with some of the talent evaluation, Jack Easterby, who helps out with the talent evaluation, both in-house and, and, and how guys fit and things like that. I don't think they've done a bad job. Um, but at the same time, they did not draft uh, last year. You know, They took over in you know, the summer and they made some pretty nice moves. I mean, Duke Johnson's been a nice move. Carlos Hyde's been a nice move. You know, certainly Laramie Tunsil 
has been a fantastic move with Kenny Stills, but there have been some some issues here or there with the team. I mean, Chris Clark is – it doesn't feel like Chris Clark has a lot left to right tackle. Was that the best option? I know there's a limited option there at right tackle going forward, but it's not the big things. Like, to, you know, they don't have to pick in the first round. They don't – you know, they pick in the second round, so that pick becomes important. It's not the big things I'm worried about. It's the little things. It's the small things. Are they going to identify a late-round pick that can help like Charles Amenahu has this year? Can they do that again without Brian Gain? And I'm, assur- I'm assuming some of the people who Brian Gain hired in that building. The draft is where I, you know, I'll be interested to see how this GM-less group works going forward because there's, there's not a guy who's lived and died with the draft evaluation helping call the shots or even calling the shots from that GM chair. And they've got to do well in the draft and they've got to spend money in a smart way. Everything tells me with the way they've acted with draft picks, they're going to act the same way with money. They've got to be smart with their money. Um, I know, I know the cap keeps going up, but that's a lot of money to spend. And we don't know what the next collective bargaining agreement is going to look like with the national football league. We don't know if maybe the money stops, if the money jumps real big, and you spent a bunch of money on these players, how many more players are going to want contracts and things like that. Um, I think it is important to, to spend this money, though, because they've been, they've been pretty thrifty, thrifty the past couple of seasons. But I'm willing to watch and wait on the experiment. I, I would give them thumbs up so far. So I, it's not the worst thing in the world uh, to me if, if they can make it work this way. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been unconventional, but it's certainly, and it felt like they were chasing chasing uh, you know decisions that they didn't make previously, uh, and Brian Gaines indecision uh, that that kind of saw him you know be relieved of his role. So you know, there's there is there is money there, but I think you know if Watson's going to be wanting a huge chunk of that, uh, and then we've got other guys like DJ Reader, Will Fuller, all of these guys, you know, Zach Cunningham that you know are essential that they that they extend. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see if if they are equally as aggressive with with the uh, with the cap. But um, but thanks very much for your time, Cody. Uh, joining us on a victory Monday for your Houston Texans. That's uh, Cody Stutes of uh, the of SB Nation Radio and a lead contributor for the Sports Map on ESPN ninety seven point five. Cody, thanks very much for your time. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Have a uh, have a great one, and hopefully it'll be victory Monday next week too. Thanks again for joining us. Much thanks to Cody for his time breaking down Sunday's monumental victory for your Houston Texans. An express delivery this week of the pod as the holiday season kicks on. We'll be back joining you to get ready for Denver. But until then, wherever you're listening from, wherever you're downloading from, we are Texans. Texans.